there, listeners, and welcome to this week's episode of the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and I want to kick off today's episode by sharing two very important milestones that are near and dear to my heart. So the first is that by the time you're hearing this, it will be almost the third anniversary of the very start of the Better Than Fine podcast. So back in February of 2020, not knowing anything that was about to come, I was in the process of leaving my job, of starting my own business. I was still in grad school and Better Than Fine was born and it has grown into one of the most consistent heartbeats of my life. It's meant so much to me to get to do this show every week and there is no Better Than Fine without you, our listeners. So thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you. If you have ever shared an episode or something about this show with someone, thank you. If you have reached out and given feedback, thank you for letting Better Than Fine grow and affect you along with the ways that it has grown and affected me over this last three years. And may there be many more episodes and years to come. And the second milestone that I want to share. So about eight months ago, Better Than Fine joined the NASM Podcast Network. And last week, we had our 1 millionth download as a network. So being new to the network, Better Than Fine was only a little small part of that. But I do want to congratulate and celebrate our producer, Eric. And I want to thank him for everything that he does to produce our shows, including this shows, and get them out into the world. He's under-celebrated for everything that he has done. Uh, I'm sure that he is uncomfortably squirming in his chair right now. Excuse me. He's just told me it's actually 1 millionth downloads in 2022. I said it wrong, and I appreciate that this is why producers exist. This is what Eric does, is he keeps me on the up and up uh, and making sure that what I say to you is accurate. So 1 million downloads in 2022 was the first year that we've had a million downloads, um, and BTF got to be part of that. So congratulations to the whole network. Congratulations to this show for way outperforming any of its previous years. Uh, it's a big deal to see that data come through because it means that we're impacting you and your life as our listeners. And I hope that you continue to help this show grow uh, and to give us your feedback so that I continue to be a positive force in your life. Okay. So let's get through this. Something that I have loved witnessing as a person and as a coach over the last few years is the number of, you know, known people out there in the world. So influencers, celebrities, public speakers out there in the world preaching self-love. And part of the inspiration to do this show this week, other than it's almost Valentine's Day, uh, love yourself. But a few weeks ago, I watched Lizzo's show watch out for the big girls. And if you haven't watched it, okay, quick synopsis. So Lizzo, musical artist, if you don't know who Lizzo is, but Lizzo wanted larger bodied women to be her backup dancers for the 2022 special tour. So she reached out to all the dance agencies she could find. And literally they could not give her a single big girl dancer to join her on her tour. So you know what? If you're Lizzo, what do you do? Well, you produce your own reality show. And so 13 larger bodied women joined her for this reality show, essentially not competing against each other, just competing with themselves. Were they ready to show up on stage with Lizzo and go on tour with her? 
And I am not exaggerating when I say that I cried through every single episode, the way that Lizzo supported these women's dreams, teaching them about loving themselves. And it was absolutely magic. If you haven't watched it, oh my God, go watch it. The way that these women worked on their relationships with themselves was incredible, but it was also facilitated by this celebrity who actively speaks about self-love and her incredibly well-resourced network, which brings up kind of my issue with the way that many of these people are talking about self-love right now. Because you're out there saying, love yourself. But I think there's also a lot of people out there going, okay, cool. Yes, I want that. But um, how? How, please? What, what, what do I actually do to make it happen in my life? So maybe you were raised in a culture or a household or a way that caused you to push away your truest version of yourself. Or maybe you were raised by people who didn't know how to love and accept themselves. So how could they possibly teach you to do that? Or maybe it's more mundane. Maybe just somewhere in your life journey, you forgot or got away from you. And now you're here in this moment in your life, genuinely wanting a deeper and more positive connection with yourself. And you hear people out there, if you watch the Grammys this weekend, you heard that preach about be yourself, love yourself, but you're not really sure how to get there. Well, my dear listener, welcome, because this week we're not just going to preach about self-love and of which there are many benefits to, but we are proactively talking about the practice of the act of self-love. So let's get to it. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall, and this episode we are talking about practicing self-love. And you know, if you've listened to this show over these last three years, that I'm going to start with talking about science. What does science say about self-love? And you might think, well, how could science possibly quantify something like self-love? Doesn't that just sound ridiculous? Well, it's actually a really common problem in psychology in general, but also positive psychology. How do you quantify things like thriving or beauty or purpose? And that always starts with getting clear about the concept you're actually talking about. When I throw out the phrase self-love, what does that even mean? And in science, we call this operationalization. It's actually one of my favorite words to say, operationalization. Super fun to say, right? If you can try to say it with me at home. Operationalization is figuring out what is the actual operational definition of the thing that we're talking about. So I went out there and I sifted through some different definitions of self-love, and this is the one that I came to. So Dr. Deborah Kushaba, writing for Psychology Today, here's her definition of self-love, and I think it's it's one of the best ones going out there, and I'm going to tell you about why in a second. So here we go. Quote, self-love is not simply the state of feeling good. It is the state of appreciation for oneself that grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Self-love is dynamic. When we act in ways that expand self-love in ourselves, we begin to accept much better our weaknesses as well as our strengths, have less need to explain away our shortcomings, have compassion for ourselves as human beings and are more centered in our life's purpose and values, end quote. I love that. 
I love that. So let's break it down. So self-love as a state of appreciation for oneself, right? You can recognize your own value and worth inherent in the fact that you exist, period. And it grows from actions, specifically, right? These dynamic growth that supports our well-being, right? Grows from actions that support our physical, psychological, and spiritual growth. Okay, so we appreciate, we take these actions, they grow our well-being. And that just in itself is very similar to what we talk about in the Self-Care 101 episode back in April of 2022, right? It's all about how do I care for my human needs? And that helps to grow me in my acceptance of myself, not just my appreciation of myself. And self-love like this, it grows like nurturing a garden. And through that nurturing, we become more integrated over time, right? Which I personally believe that integration, that nurturing, that wholeness that comes from that work is the point of well-being in general, of wellness efforts in general. But that's also another episode, so we're going to put that rabbit hole aside. So with this dynamic nature, it makes self-love a practice. And you've probably heard people talk about meditation or yoga or Tai Chi or mindfulness, right? People say like, oh, meditation practice, my yoga practice. Well, what are they actually talking about? I think there's two things that make something a practice. So the first is what do we call a perishable skill? It's that you have to do something regularly over and over to either keep the skill fresh or to continue to get the benefits of it. So meditation is a perfect idea. We know that uh, the benefits of meditation are directly tied to how frequently you've been meditating, right? How recently, excuse me, you've been meditating. So somebody who's meditated for 40 years and then doesn't do it for six months, they have less of a benefit than the person who's just been doing it for six months. So that's thing one of a practice. Thing two is there's no clear destination. The doing is the point, not the outcome. So if something's a practice, not only do you have to keep it fresh, but it's not about like reading a book where there's a last page or running a race where you cross the finish line. You keep doing it over and over because the outcome itself is in the action. And so self-love by Koshaba's definition is a practice, right? It evolves in the doing. You have to keep renewing the well of self-love and it's not going to end it's meant to continue to be done continually over the course of your life. You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. And in honor of the coming holiday that I used to hate as a kid, Valentine's Day, this episode's about practicing self-love. But how? How do we do it? Well, as with many things in the wellness journey, I believe that self-love starts with mindfulness. Because all true, lasting, meaningful change starts with becoming aware of yourself, of your patterns, of your beliefs, what we're on about in the world. So let me give you an example. When you hear me say, self-love is hard, what do you think? What does that bring up? I say self-love is hard. Maybe you think, you're damn right it is. <laughs> or... Maybe you think, what are you talking about? I'm great. I already love myself. I love myself all day long. Or maybe you're somewhere in the middle. Regardless of what you thought, that's a belief, right? 
And the person who says self-love is hard is just as right as the person who says, I don't know, I grew up loving myself and it's just how I am. But you have to become aware of that belief before you could examine it, right? And make any efforts in your life to evolve or change or not. So as you become aware of your beliefs through your mindfulness, you can then ask, okay, was that belief when I said self-love is hard and you had a response, is however you responded helpful, right? The belief, the pattern, the behavior, the way you talk to yourself, is it helpful? Is it bringing you where you want to go with your life? Does it serve your mission and your purpose and who you want to be when you grow up? Because if not, right, you got to be aware, okay, this is not helping. This is not serving me before you could do any work to change it. So step one in your self-love practice is mindfulness. And if you want a deeper dive into mindfulness, you can check out the interview with Corey Mascara from May of 2022. So that's step one. Step two is meet your foundational needs. When we love something, we take care of it. But funny enough, taking care of something is also a way to build a sense of love. So it becomes more ours, right? Like whether we're talking about a pet or a houseplant, your, your bedroom, kids and your family, through the act of caring for something that otherwise can't take care of itself, we grow this feeling of nurturing and identification with it. So I want you to imagine for a moment that you're a little kid and adult you, how you are right now, is responsible for taking care of kid you. What does kid you need? Well, you probably need food um, and ideally food that's not going to make you go like cuckoo bananas, sugar rush, but food that actually nurtures you, right? You probably need rest and sleep and recovery right? Downtime. You need comfort and understanding, right? You need somebody who's going to help you make sense when things don't make sense, which happens to kids a lot. You need fun and things you're curious and excited about, the things that you're going to learn and grow and explore. You probably need a chance to like run around a bit, climb some trees, go on an adventure because kid you has all of these needs that otherwise aren't going to be met. An adult you has to like show up for that kid. So personally, I think all of those needs directly translate into our adult needs, even the fun. So when you think about meeting your foundational needs and building your self-care practices, that feeds directly into this idea that we take care of the things that we love. And if you're struggling with loving yourself, you can reverse that relationship right? You could prime that pump with leaning into self-care. Um, for a deeper dive on all of that, that episode was April of 2022. And I know I plug the old episodes a lot, but it's because I want you to keep moving forward on your wellness journey. And if I say something in, in an episode that you're like, oh God, I need some more tools for that. More tools exist. They're already out there. And I want you to be able to reference them. So you have the resources you need because wellness shouldn't only be for rich people who can pay for retreats in Bali and bougie smoothies. And neither should self-love. So step one was mindfulness. Step two is self-care. Step three is building a sense of safety. 
You're listening to the Better Than Fine podcast. I'm your host, Arlene Marshall. We're talking about practicing self-care and step three, building a sense of safety could be an episode all on its own and maybe it will be eventually because when we love something, we keep it safe. So anxiety, fear, unintegrated traumas, these are all the not feeling safe showing up in your emotional experience. And as we get more mindful, more intimate with our relationship with ourselves, well, it could get real, real uncomfortable. And that's partly because we start to feel the uncomfortable emotions more completely. And for some people, this is when they turn away from the work. It's too much. But when we love something, we tough it out. We work on the hard parts. We don't just ignore them or push them away or run away because we say the difficult things. They're a chance to get closer. And self-love is no different. The hard stuff comes up, but you love yourself enough that you're going to tough it out to figure it out. So as we learn about ourselves, we learn about the things that we don't like or what doesn't feel good. We learn about what we need. And then we speak up. We speak out. You begin to advocate for your social, emotional, psychological, and physical safety. And this is where in the self-love literature that you might read, they're going to talk about boundaries. Boundaries are a real big factor in self-love and self-care. Because part of the boundaries that come into this equation is about safety and self-advocacy. It's when you need to make space for yourself to be who you are as you want to show up in the world and advocating for what you need. And I also think that boundaries allow us to set up firm no's so that we can have meaningful yeses in our lives. And when you start doing this, when you start looking for like, where am I getting anxious? Where am I afraid? What am I, what am I scared about when it comes to loving and caring for myself? What comes up? And you start leaning into that discomfort so that you can set boundaries that keep you emotionally, physically, and psychologically safe. Well, that's the point where the toxic friendships, the energy vampires, the emotional abusers, the people in your life that take advantage, you can't tolerate them anymore because they're hurting something that you love, which is yourself. So we've got mindfulness. We've got self-care. Step three was building a sense of safety. Now, step four, feed your sense of self. So you've making the space and the time to explore and learn and grow and nurture Now it's time to add in the self-affirming activities and allow yourself to really enjoy and savor them. So let's say, let's say you're somebody who loves dogs. Okay. Are you the the kind of dog, or maybe it's your dog. Sorry, I'm blowing this metaphor already. (laughs) If you love dogs, you probably already know that some dogs love to just run and run and run. Some dogs love to dig. Some dogs love to play tug of war. My brother's got a dog who's just obsessed with throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball, throw the ball. Well, that's because different breeds of dog have been cultivated to do different jobs and they will feel a compulsion to do the activity, right? Terriers 
are ratting dogs. That's why they're always kind of like digging and like snuffling around the edges of things. And they literally were, broomed, were bred to hunt rats. And so they feel compulsion, right? If you've ever seen like a video of a dog herding sheep, they're herding dogs. That's a compulsion for them. So what kind of dog are you? What reminds you of who you are outside of your work or your roles or your obligations and responsibilities? If you let all of that go, what do you value? What do you enjoy purely for the doing of it? Are you a hole digging dog or a running dog? And are you cultivating that version of yourself? You know, if I love my cats, I'm going to make sure my little buddies have everything that they need to be happy guys. So we're going to play with the stringy and they're going to get brushed because it's my job to take care of them so that they feel good about themselves. So what else is affirming the interests, the passions, the hobbies, the activities that feed your sense of yourself? And if the answer is nothing, well, then it's time to start running some experiments. You can get some friends together, try everything you could think of that might be fun or interesting. No friends, not sure what to try. Fortunately, we live in the modern era and through modern technology, the miracle that is the internet, there is a course for everything. So painting, gardening, learn to crochet, archery, hunting, winter sports, pick your poison. And if that's still not sparking anything in you, what'd you like to do when you were five? When you were 16, what did you promise yourself that you would do someday? And then do them. Because that's how you actually learn who you really are. What fills the tank back up in your life? For me, it's running outside or hiking outside, gardening outside. It just got to be outside. And that reminds me of who I am figuring out what reminds you of who you are. And because you've done all this work on your boundaries, you'll have the space and time to do it. Okay. Four steps down, one to go. Step one was mindfulness. Two was self-care. Three, sense of safety. Four, sense of self. Five, process, and then let yourself live your life. So this isn't actually the final step. It actually applies throughout but it's good to have a step in the progression to remind you that it matters. It's take the time to process what you've learned and decide how you're gonna apply it forward. So what did you learn in each of those steps, in each of your little experiments? And it's not something that you're just gonna like, okay, step one, two, three, four, I walked through it, done, right? This is a process, they call it a wellness journey and it's ongoing, it's a practice. How? Does your work in yourself and on your self-love change what you think of yourself in your world? This is where journaling becomes invaluable. And it's also where a therapist or a good coach can be really helpful in guiding how to process, how to integrate and use the information that you learn about yourself. Because if you've been doing the self-work thing for a while, you know a lot of stuff comes up and you don't always know what to do with it. You don't always know how to make the puzzle pieces click together. And then when the time comes, you just let yourself live your life. You don't always have to be grinding and leveling up and oh, what's my best self? Next optimization. Sometimes loving something is letting it be. So when you've learned whatever that self-love journey is meant to teach you, 
let yourself be appreciative of the new life that you have built for yourself. And then permission to not always be working on something. Because sometimes the self-worth gets exhausting. And part of self-love is letting yourself be as you are. So let's run it down. Step one was mindfulness. Step two was self-care. Three, sense of safety. Four, feeding your sense of self. And five would be to process and then live your life. I hope you have a deeply self-loving and self-validating Valentine's Day, no matter how you celebrate or who you celebrate with. And I got a little gem for you here at the end. Maybe you want to celebrate by giving yourself a present. Uh, If you've already been a regular fan of the show, you know where this is going to go. But the National Academy of Sports Medicine has a wellness coaching certification that is top-notch in my humble opinion. It's got experts in sleep, stress, coaching, neuroscience, movement, positive psychology. I was one of them all wrapped up in this like beautiful world-class program about how do you actually help someone make sustainable positive change instead of just telling people what to do, which we know from psychology does not actually work when it comes to behavior change. So that certification, NASM Certified Wellness Coach, is currently 50% off on NASM's website but listeners to this show can get an additional $600 off with the code MarshallCWC, M-A-R-S-H-A-L-L-C-W-C. So you'd go to nasm.org, click wellness at the top, and then use that code. It'll give you an extra $600 off the discounted price. Thank you so much for being a listener to Better Than Find. Thank you for three wonderful years of making this show and a million downloads in 2022. I would love to hear your feedback on this and any episode. So you could email me. I'm info at darlene.coach. On Instagram, I'm darlene.coach. Drop me a DM. I love it when fans of the show do that. Love, love, love. Please take me up on it. It makes my heart full. I'm also on LinkedIn and I got a substack, coachdar.substack.com. And if you're a fan of the show, I hope you've already subscribed, but if not, you should do that. Thank you to everyone who's written us a review to help game that algorithm up. And of course, share about the show. It's one of the best ways to help a show grow is to share an episode that resonated with you, with somebody else, because that's how these communities grow. Thank you so much. Be well and love yourselves.